When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back in to the latest version of the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. Again, I'm only the somewhat capable, somewhat rested host of the show, TJ Reeves. The guy that you are wanting to hear from is Dr. John Lewis, who is the owner, the operator, the purveyor of the website, SportsMediaWatch.com. Good to be back with you for another week. Topics and discussion. Uh, How are things? I know you were a little under the weather last week. Feeling a little better this week, sir? Uh, I'm feeling less sick. That's for, that's for sure. <laughs> are you listed as a, a game time decision for this podcast? How are you listed? A, a probable, um, questionable? What was the designation? Uh, good question. Uh, <laughs> questionable. Yeah. Questionable. Well, I'm questionable in most of my life. That's most of my days. Uh, it's good to be back with you. We are doing this on the heels of uh, me having been part of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers radio broadcast. My Lord, what a comeback on Monday Night Football in the waning moments. Let's just say this, Dr. John Lewis, made for a happier postgame show when Tom Brady yeah. and the offense did what they did in the final yes. minutes of that game. Um, never dull. Never dull with that guy. We'll oh. get into that. All the football, some World Cup. And uh, and much more. Again, however you found us, social media link, John's website, sportsmediawatch.com. Make sure you're following, subscribing to this podcast feed. You not only get this show, you get George Offman's Tell Me a Story I Don't Know podcast. Usually has a Chicago uh, tinge or slant, but he also talks to national sports media people as well that somehow tie back to Chicago. Love his storytelling podcast uh, that's on this feed. Also on this feed, Mike and Phil with the announcer schedules podcast. If you want to know who's calling what game, how well they did, the guys give some opinions, but who's where and the different calls, they're all over it with the announcer schedules podcast also on this feed. And we thank those guys for the great efforts that they do. We thank all of you for finding us. Keep spreading the word, rate us and review us. That helps more people find us through uh, the different services, the different podcast services. And we're usually out midweek. I know we got holidays coming up. But we're usually here for you. We're about to go into a little bit more of a lull here for a, a lot of stuff at the very end of the year before we get into January and the new year. Okay, with all of that in mind, as I mentioned, uh, World Cup, do you want to begin there with a little World Cup conversation? What do you want to start with today? It's uh, well, the buffet is yours. Right. Well, I would just start uh, offering our, our best wishes to the great Bob Rathbun, the Atlanta Hawks play by yes. voice. Uh, a friend of the site, uh, and uh, he had a very serious-looking medical emergency last night. I personally have not actually seen the footage of it, but based on the description, it was pretty bad, uh, and he was hospitalized. He's so, sitting there with Dominique Wilkins, yeah. uh, the longtime player and analyst, and it's scary. It, it, he's clearly having a medical episode. 
live on the pre-game little open that they do. Sometimes they tape those. Sometimes they do them live. It just depends. This is sitting on stools for the audience, and you probably by now have seen some of this. Most of you have seen something about it. If you follow sports media, and we we anticipate that most that are listening to us are savvy enough where you've seen this, but he's clearly having some kind of medical episode. There's right. no doubt about it, but there's a positive update, correct? Right. Uh, earlier in the day, Bally Sports said that uh, Bob, had, he stayed in the hospital overnight for observation and further tests. But as of this morning, that'd be Tuesday morning, all tests were very favorable and he was expected to be released from the hospital later Tuesday. And I don't have, no, I, I don't have an update from beyond that. Uh, so, you know, hopefully uh, he will be back to health soon. You know, the reality of the matter is that these things do happen in life. It's just most of us are fortunate that they don't happen in front of a camera. Uh, and, uh, you know, they're always very scary events. Uh, it was just, you know, I mean, maybe it was a lucky thing that it happened on the court in front. I mean, obviously, if it, if it had happened in his hotel room, it would have been a much of worse situation. But, you know, you never want as a professional to to be the story. Nobody ever wants to be a viral content for people to gawk at. Uh, and, you know, I'm not going to criticize awful announcing for initially posting the video because it was news. But, you know, in general, that type of stuff spreads around and, you know, people, uh, they there's a certain amount of curiosity to see people in, in, in that state. That's why the video of Sam Serio breaking both her legs spread around as well. I mean, you know, there's there's that what do you call it um you know kind of there's different metaphors for it we are a we're a rubbernecking society we call yeah, it, we call it that in the south that. where we have to always look at the car wreck and see who's mangled like a morbid curiosity yeah morbid um, curiosity exactly. i think i think there's a lot of people that love to uh revel in the misfortune of others unfortunately i won't say a lot of people there's a segment out there that clearly love to revel in people embarrassing themselves screwing stuff up Having a medical episode, whatever it is, um, I'll just go ahead and say it that you're you're a low life individual. You uh-huh. have low self esteem. If that if you, if you get enjoyment out of that, that's what I'm saying, John. Yeah. I'm going. I mean, if you get enjoyment out of that, you're a, you're a low life individual and need to get a life and need to get a little better at being a human being uh, on that. And Bob, well, some Rath- of it too. Oh, yeah. I was just going to cut in. Some of that too is also just immaturity. I remember, you yeah. know, I knew a kid who every 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 YouTube search that he did was you know, broken legs and things like that. I mean, you know, right. you got to factor in the 13 year old aspect of it too. And just not having the emotional maturity to understand Agreed. a Bob Rathbun story for you. This is a 31 or 32 year old story. So one of Bob's things, and he's been a long time staple on the Atlanta Hawks broadcast, but he's done a bunch of other uh, freelance football, even baseball. He was working for the Detroit Tigers. Yeah. And I still remember that uh, while I was interning at the All Sports Radio Station in Tampa Bay, cutting my teeth, if you will, Dr. John Lewis, in the sports broadcasting uh, business as a as a college junior, as an intern, Bob Rathbun came to the radio station to talk Detroit Tigers baseball like one late February or early March because the Tigers train in Lakeland and the station was probably 20 minutes, 25 minutes drive from Lakeland, but we were the Metro Tampa Bay all sports station where everybody could hear us. And I got to say hello to a guy that I didn't really know, because again, this is a different time period. There's no internet. John, don't laugh at me. There's no internet in like 1991. If you don't have a satellite dish, you're not seeing Detroit tiger games 
in other markets per se to see Bob Rathbun calling the games uh, for the Tigers as he was. But he was being introduced around. He stuck his hand out. He said, nice to meet you. And uh, I don't know that he ever remembered my name five seconds later. But I got to meet Bob briefly there. I haven't been around him a lot professionally. Other than that, I know on this podcast that we talked to Charles Davis earlier this NFL season, and he brought that name up, John, right away as having been a mentor of his in the late 90s, right after the time period that I would have been around him that we're talking about doing college football. So he's had a he's had a long run and a long career. Just one more time to wrap it up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I met Bob when I was in college, uh, right before uh, a college basketball game. He was working the game, saw him beforehand and shook his hand just like uh, just like you did. And very friendly, just uh, incredibly accommodating. Uh, and uh, then he was uh, either the first or the second person I ever approached to do an interview on SMW back in 09. It was he was either the first or Darren Ravel was. Wow. And he was very accommodating. And, uh, you know, it was an email interview. But, you know, I was, what, uh, 09, I guess, 20 years old. Uh, and, you know, even though I had made a bit of a name for myself uh, doing the side at that point, you know, he didn't have to agree to do that, right? Sure. And then uh, just recently he came into my uh, virtual classroom when I was uh, teaching uh, and uh, gave incredible advice. And, you know, uh, I'm sure, uh, you know, some of my students from that semester might remember that. Uh, you know, the future play-by-play voices like Jack Sinclair, you know, I'm sure maybe if Jack um, advances in the in his career, he might look back at when Bob Rathbun sure. came into the classroom and, and uh, you know, uh, gave some, some good advice. And then actually there was another student, uh, a few, probably just back in June, who was trying to get some advice. And I reached out to, to Bob and he was perfectly accommodating again. And hey, can I send you can I send him your email address? And, you know, every single interaction I've had with Bob, whether I was a 20 year old student or a 20 year old blogger or a college professor, every single one, he has been tremendously accommodating. And, you know, I go all the way back with Bob to the WB, uh, watching Hawks games, uh, him and, uh, I, I forget the nickname. Mike, Mike Glenn Stinger, yeah, Stinger. Stinger. Because he would always skipper. call him, he would always call him yeah. Stinger. Yeah. Exactly. And because, uh, I believe that even at the Hawks games, because we would see the Hawks games a bunch regionally uh, in the South and they had them on TBS, et cetera, when Glenn was playing, they'd play the sound effect when he'd make a shot because they called it, it was his really? nickname. Yes, they called him the stinger and they would play the buzz sound effect in the arena I'm talking about yeah. when uh, he would make shots. Uh, so, yes, and uh, good on good on you. Uh, to share that with us because I didn't even uh, you illuminated even more about him reaching yeah. back and you always love to hear that and we wish him good well wishes and uh, I know the Hawks family and the NBA family does as well hopefully he'll be back on the air soon if he's able um, yes. uh, sitting there with Dominique Wilkins it makes me feel really old because I still remember I still remember going and watching Dominique Wilkins in the early to, to mid 1980s after he got from the University of Georgia to the Atlanta Hawks Uh, At the old Omni in Atlanta, which they've now torn down in downtown Atlanta. And to think that Dominique has been the Hawks announcer out of the NBA and the Hawks announcer for over a decade, maybe longer, maybe 15 years. He's been doing the Hawks here and there with with Mike Glenn and with others. Wow. It's been a long. uh, I don't remember who Bob's partner was before, but I I, I watched him on the WB, like I said, and I watched him on Turner South doing Hawks. Remember Turner South? And I think that's what's now eventually merged into Sports South and Valley Sports yeah. South, right? That's yeah, all the same them. incarnation. 
yeah. I think, on that. And we all have our regional different ones in, in Florida, Valley Sun Sports. If you're in uh, t- Tennessee, I, I want to say I'm trying to remember what the one in Tennessee is. It may be South also. Yeah. It may be Valley Sports South, but, you know, the Valley Sports, uh, Texas, and on and on with all the different ones with those regional cable networks. All right, so hopefully he is better. Yes. Uh, we segue off of that. World Cup, when last we left, they were uh, ready to play in the uh, round of 16, the United States and the Netherlands. This was a Saturday morning United States time soccer match, Saturday night in Qatar. Uh, The United States, not surprisingly, this has become commonplace, gets bounced out immediately by the Dutch. So that's the on-field. What about the television ratings? Because you are the master at going through the numbers and deciphering it. How did it do? And comparatively, how did it do? Well, it did pretty well. Uh, you know, I mean, it's so impossible to put these numbers into any context because, you, I mean, these are all pre, including the pre-match figures. And so as a result, you know, what can you realistically do with those numbers? The the real show is the match window. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we, we are just not seeing that. So, um, you know, I know. Can I stop you for a second? I know you were curious about the England match. If they were ever going to release the match window, Fox and the ratings, did they ever do that? Yes. Yes. Uh, Fox did uh, send me that number and it was 17.2 million viewers. So on a pre-match basis, it was an all time record Uh, on a match only basis. It was third best and it was behind the U.S. Portugal match in 14 and is behind the Spain Argentina final in 14. Just men's also behind uh, uh, probably a couple uh, of women's matches, 99 final and a 15 final. So not a record uh, on a match window basis. Uh, you know, look, I mean, I don't think Fox is trying to be dishonest. I have no idea. I mean, I really don't. I mean, I, I, I bring that up because I know people think about spin with this type of stuff. Well, why did Fox go with the pre-match figure? When we know that for soccer, the match window figure has become the number that people use. I'm going to go with the fact that for whatever reason, maybe in the out of home era, it's harder to get those breakouts because obviously the match window, the pre-match figure is the full program rating, right? Right. That's the official Nielsen number. The match window number is, you know, a little bit more, uh, you know, I mean, that's not the number Nielsen is releasing. That's the number you can only get from the network. So I'm just going to go with the explanation that it's just something that's harder to get. It's a long delayed. I don't know. Uh, All I do know is just looking at the figures that we have, respectable. 12 million for the match the other night. Uh, You know, look, I mean, these are not quite at the level that we saw in 2014, but it's also 2022. Nothing is at the level that it was in 2014 anymore. And I don't even just mean TV ratings. Every Everything is worse now than it was in 2014. And 2014 wasn't even that good of a year. But I'm getting off onto a, uh, onto a tangent. But, um, you know, uh, 12.97 million viewers, you know, that's an NBA Finals audience. 10 a.m. on a Saturday on yes. one network when two are airing it. I want to be sure. clear about that, right? One network Do we know what Univision's number we don't know that Telemundo. number as of yet. Would we, yet. Tolomundo, would we guess that it's it's a United States match, it's not Mexico, yeah. but do right. we guess they would have e- easily gotten a couple of million watching that morning? Of course. That's that's of conservative course. and maybe yeah, probably and three, maybe four, three million, or four million. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know, maybe even five million. So uh, just on Fox alone and including an hour of Alexi Lalas talking, right? <laughs> that had an audience on a Saturday morning 
That is equivalent to game five of the NBA finals with Steph Curry in prime time, right? So you can't look at that number as anything but excellent. You know, is it down from 2014? Yes. But, you know, in 2014, 13 million viewers was not an NBA finals level audience, right? Uh, in 2022, 13 million viewers is an NBA finals level audience. So, and, and you know, I mean, compared to everything else on TV, it, it's faring better. Now, of course, the out of home factor is real. Out of home probably is maybe being a little undersold in terms of, you know, the numbers that I've seen. And, and uh, Robert Seedman has been on top of this as well. Uh, he's been more on top of it than I have. Uh, the numbers that I've seen indicate that the NFL's numbers are really benefiting very strongly from out of home to a point that if you just look at the apples to apples comparison of the in-home to 2019, if not for out of home viewing, we might be talking about the NFL as, as potentially even being in a slump. Now, I don't know how Nielsen is doing all this because there was without of home, one of the problems from the beginning was that Nielsen was having a difficult time breaking out of home away from the in-home audience, mm -hmm. right? So I don't know if maybe the in-home numbers that we see now are different than they would have been in 2019. I don't know that it's exactly apples to apples, but if it is, out of home is is turning mediocre looking numbers into really 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 great looking numbers. And you've and you've elaborated on that time and again on this podcast that when they released that Thanksgiving number last week, yeah. understand they're including an out of home measurement yep. that is a few million more, what was it? 5 or 6 million out of home something like for that. I think for the Thanksgiving game, it was something like 16 million, 16 I mean, it was a, million out of home, which again, yeah. to the point previously wasn't being counted. If you were not right. on a set top box or some kind of Nielsen metered box in your house, they weren't measuring it. So yeah, it's remarkable. Uh, the, the, when it you were saying 16. that, 16.6. Wow. For out of home on Thanksgiving that were somewhere. Wow. And if you, you know, if you do the math, so it was 42.1 million viewers, 42.1 minus 16.6 is 25.5. Wow. One qualifier. Not, does right. that include just out of curiosity? Cause you know, the methodology yeah. now we're getting in the weeds. If I'm sitting in my house and watching on an iPad, if I'm sitting in my house and watching on my phone for whatever reason, does that count as out of home because it's no. not a television? How do they tell the difference? How do they tell that I'm watching my phone in my house versus I'm watching my phone six blocks down the street while taking a walk? I don't know. Well, I'm asking genuinely. I think, I think the way that it works is you are you are, you know, kind of programmed into your home. Mm -hmm. So if you are within your, you know, within that home, whatever device you're watching on, mm -hmm. you will be counted as the in-home audience. Now, I'm not, I'm not an expert on how Nielsen calculates the numbers, right? But I believe that would be the case. Um, and, you know, the reality of the matter is, I mean, so much. I wouldn't know. Could I just say just sure. just off the top of my head without anything to back it up? I wouldn't know how they would know to calculate a cell phone in particular, a cellular phone that is either in your house or down the street or I'm going to be in San Francisco this weekend watching my phone. How does Nielsen know yeah. unless they're in with the phone company? Well, where now, I'm watching versus in my house down the street or in San Francisco on my cell phone if I'm watching. 
Well, how do they remember know? it's well, first of all, they don't know if you're not a mm-hmm. member of mm-hmm. the, uh, if you're not a Nielsen family, right? So they're not tracking anybody who's not part of their research panel. Uh, so my thought process is with out of home, you're bringing along the portable people meter with you. The portable people meter is tracking uh, audio signals, encoded audio signals from the TV. And I I don't really know how that works with a portable device. Uh, gotcha. That's actually a really good question. But, don't know. you know, it, if you are part of the Nielsen panel and you're being tracked in terms of out of home, you have a portable people meter that you have with you that is detecting the audio signals. And, you know, from there... Uh, you know, that's how the, uh, you know, your, your viewership is being tracked through the audio signals. Now, the reason why someone might question the legitimacy of that is especially in a bar situation, how do we know you're looking at the TV, mm-hmm. right? We don't know. We How do we know that you're really even watching? For an advertiser, I mean, I think we can all pretty much well assume that if you are watching the game at a bar, you are watching really closely. But, you know, for anything else, for Undisputed, if you're sitting in a restaurant, Undisputed is on, you've got your portable <laughs> people meter and it's tracking the show, you might not even know that it's on the TV. And I interject and some some humor to it. your yeah. point. I want to interject some humor to your point, which you didn't know. So last Sunday evening, the Twins were hungry. I have not done this all football season. The Buccaneers were not playing Sunday. They were not playing till the home game Monday night. We went to a local sports restaurant. I won't name them. They don't sponsor the show. Whatever. Uh, we weren't just watching one game. We were watching all four late games. So to your point, how do you know what game I'm yeah. watching? If I if I have four TVs in front of me, which I did, that had, let me go off the top of my head, Seahawks, Rams, 49ers, Dolphins, Chiefs, Bengals, and Raiders, Chargers were on four separate, like 40 to 50-inch TVs right in front of us while we were having yeah. our food. How do you know in that... Just yep. to your point on the methodology, how do you know what I am watching in a sports bar? It's tough. It's tough to tell on that. It's certainly not like it's one TV in the sports bar and this is what it's on right. uh, to be able to try. Well, it. I will say in yeah. a sports bar, not all of those are going to be at full volume, right? Correct. I mean, like so in whatever... this case, the only right. one that was at full volume in the restaurant was the Chiefs Bengals game. The other so three, the, the sound game. was down. So that would be the one they would measure, right? right? Exactly. Because he, because of the audio signals. Uh, and, and so, again, you might be paying more attention to any of the other games, but, you know, CBS will uh, be the beneficiary and the other. Uh, Are you Fox saying home. that I was paying a little more attention to the Chargers game because I have Austin Eckler on my fantasy team? That's exactly what you're saying, that I would be paying more attention so. to that because of that. And it didn't work out. He didn't get a touchdown uh, in that game. Just one more thing to wrap this up. Obviously. The phone companies, the services like a Hulu, like a YouTube TV, uh, et cetera, a Peacock, a Paramount Plus, they've got their own audience measurement, too, that is separate from Nielsen. The streaming info, the different details. Adobe Analytics. Yes, they've, they've got all kinds of different ways to tell you who's watching on a phone through their service as well. So I just thought I would add that to our discussion on how you figure it out. Yeah, and of course, you know, I mean, all of these numbers are a hodgepodge of, you know, competing companies. I mean, really just Adobe Analytics, honestly. Uh, you know, it's it's hard to keep track of. It's a lot harder to keep track of than it was when, when I started writing about the numbers, for sure. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? 
outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. But you still do a great job in doing that. So speaking of the numbers, project for me, we now know after the midweek results that the final eight are Croatia and Brazil, England and France, Morocco and Portugal, Netherlands, Argentina. And Argentina and Brazil are in the same bracket. That would be a tremendous semifinal if it comes to it england france is going to have a ton of audience and then you got kind of a surprise morocco portugal give me an idea an educated guess no united states now how is this going to do the rest of the way kind of in the in the morning or the early afternoon at best in the united states what do you think in particular now if you get argentina brazil and then obviously an england france winner you've done very well for your semifinals, how do you think this is going to do the rest of the way? Just real quick to wrap it up. I think it'll do all right. I mean, I think you're going to be looking at, as you said, some pretty spectacular numbers for those uh, those particular matchups, you know, some, some exciting teams. But I think, you know, it's hard to tell, honestly. I think you'll probably see numbers that are below 2014, but nonetheless really strong. Uh, and I, just like with the U.S. Uh, numbers so far. And just to give you the schedule for the audience here, they will play two of the matches on Friday. Croatia and Brazil will play Friday in the mid-morning Eastern time. The Netherlands-Argentina match will play afternoon U.S. time. Then on Saturday, with minimal college football, right, John? It's only the Army-Navy game, which, again, will have impact and will have audience. You've got college basketball on Saturday uh, as well. But during the morning time Saturday, it's Morocco, Portugal, and then the England, France might really get a decent number for non-U.S. on Fox in the middle of the afternoon. I don't know. But though that's the lineup for this weekend with the winners to play midweek next week on consecutive days at 2 o'clock in the afternoon on a weekday before yeah. you get to the championship match. Uh, the following Sunday will be the championship match a week from this Sunday just to lay out the schedule there that England France though at two Eastern time mm-hmm. one central yeah. that might do fairly well oh no I think it will on Fox don't you think absolutely uh, I think that's a really great matchup for a Saturday that's Saturday right correct Saturday afternoon Army Navy's your only competition and that'll be that'll be a very strong number uh so I think uh you know you don't need the U.S. to get great numbers for the World Cup 
It's nice to have the U.S. They're the number one draw in all of soccer in this country, the U.S. men's national team. I know they don't ever make it to the final, but if you look at the numbers that they make get- Make it to the final. Stage, we don't yeah. even make it to the semifinal. Right. Well, if you But the numbers that they get in the group stage and their one knockout stage match each time <laughs> are, are so disproportionately strong compared to everybody, compared to the U.S. women, compared to Mexico on Spanish language channels, compared to Argentina, Brazil, England. There's no other team in soccer that draws like the U.S. men. It's just that they're not very, you know, they, they don't stick around very long. I saw the stat. Do you want the stat? In our last sure. 15 World Cup matches were three wins, six losses, six draws. Ah, hmm. uh, that's not very good. Got to be better than that. No. But still, you got audience, which is what you your point is. You could win the is. NFC South with that record. So, <laughs> listen to you. Hey, my Buccaneers are five hundred. Three hey, six yeah. and six is not five hundred. That's true. Settle That's down true. a little bit with that. All right. So there's some World Cup talk. Let's more. Speaking of the college football reference, their championship weekend last weekend wrapped things up. They've now yeah. laid out the final four, which we will get to, and those matchups. Uh, John, just give me an overall thought or two on the ratings, because in particular. The drama was really Friday night in the Pac-12 title game and then early Saturday for TCU going for the unbeaten season being upset in overtime. Not much drama at all with two one-sided games in the SEC and the Big Ten title games like we thought for the college football playoffs. So overall, just give me a thought or two on college football's championship weekend. Well, you know, I mean, it was the kind of draw you would expect. The SEC and Big Ten were down uh, with some pretty unimpressive matchups. But given the matchups, both of them over 10 million viewers, some of the most watched games of the year, certainly shows the strength of those two conferences. And then uh, the Big 12 championship game did quite well. It was a great game. And the fact that Kansas State and TCU can draw that well, uh, even even with a great game, I mean, that's pretty impressive. Uh, you know, uh, it was a bit controversial of me to say, apparently, but uh, I, I happen to believe that Ohio State TCU could very well be the number two matchup out of that uh, that combination. The reason I say that is because Ohio State is a tremendous draw. And uh, if they're able to get past Georgia, I think there'll be a lot of hype for them in a way that two years ago, coming off their pathetic six game season where they shouldn't in a million years <laughs> have been allowed to be in the playoff with six games that nonsense i don't think it'll be like that i mean if you get ohio state if they beat georgia and they're in the championship game i think there'll be a lot of hype for them and tcu is not a, an attractive team typically but you know ultimately i think i mean if you're asking me georgia michigan or ohio state tcu it seems, I understand why people would think, how could you possibly think that Ohio State TCU would be a better draw? But the circumstances that would lead to Ohio State be playing TCU, to me, would make that a more interesting TCU, matchup. to your point, would have to beat Michigan in the Fiesta right. Bowl, and then you get a Georgia or an Ohio State in the championship game, and you right. just think because of the Ohio State love factor, the uh, love-hate factor, the Midwest right. uh, coming in. And I just feel like that would be, I also just honestly... I saw Georgia, Michigan last year, so I don't have any interest in seeing that again. I saw it last year. It wasn't, I mean, it wasn't good, right? right? Wasn't it just another one of those awful semifinal blowouts we get every single time? It was close for like the first half, and then was Georgia really? kind of pulled away. Yeah, they didn't 34 11. Are you sure about yeah. that? Because it was 14 nothing and 20. You can, you can look at the box score. You have it in front of me. I don't, but I don't recall it being a runaway in the first half. Was it a runaway in the first half? Do you have it the was, box score? It was twenty-seven to three in the second in the second quarter. Okay, then I don't remember. I, Only I the retract. Falcons could blow a lead like that. I, not, oh, not the now you're digging on them. I uh, I retract what I just uh, misinformed the audience about. So it was a bigger wipeout 
uh, than what I thought. Yeah, and I mean, I just, you know, look, I know those, you know, Michigan's a big draw. Georgia is a depending champ. But I mean, I just, I'll put it this way too. I feel like if Georgia's there, it'll be a blowout. So I don't even think that Ohio State. What's interesting too is you had USC looming to be in the playoff. And obviously the semifinals in the Fiesta Bowl and the Peach Bowl, that's by rotation, by design. And several years ago, they came up with a rotation for the championship game, which is to be in Los Angeles. Yeah. So that could have been USC fighting for a chance to play not in their home stadium, but in L.A. at SoFi Stadium, the new one. Instead, you're going to maybe get some combination of Georgia against Michigan or Georgia against TCU, depending on if Ohio State can pull the upset. But and that's all the way out west. It's kind of like a few years ago when Alabama and Clemson were playing yeah. in Santa Clara, where I will be in a rainstorm in Santa Clara at the 49er Stadium at Levi Stadium. Wasn't um, that the worst of those matchups? Too? Yes. And it was a bad game, oh, an easy win for Clemson in pouring rain. Yeah. And there were all the way out west, not uh, not centered in the middle of the country or in the south or blah, blah, blah. So. In any event, we'll see. We'll see how it all plays out. And just one more note on all of that to put a to put a bow on it. It's a subjective process. You've got a committee sitting there and voting. Right. I believe they got it right. They got it right, mm-hmm. for, and it was cleaner because you had two unbeatens, Georgia and Michigan, at the top. Yeah. You had TCU in their championship game with only one loss, and yeah. then you had Ohio State slotted as the next best team with only one loss because then everybody yeah. else behind them, once USC lost on Friday night, had two losses. Alabama also two losses. Also, Tennessee, two losses. Also, Clemson, two losses. It was fairly clean to do it and just leave it as it was. And in the subjective process, of course, they were not going to have Ohio State and Michigan rematch. So you were going to put Ohio State at four to play Georgia because they're manipulating it. It's human beings. It's an opinion thing. It's not a computer spitting it out, saying this is what the matchup is. So now we get ready for those games down the road and all the bowl games to filter out, which they have, and and those matchups to be played in a few weeks uh, there with the college football. All right, let's segue on the sportsmediawatch.com podcast, a little NFL uh, from the weekend. Anything stand out? I mentioned that Chiefs-Bengals game was the marquee CBS game, right. Jim Nance, Tony Romo. What else, if any, stood out? Sunday night blowout for the Cowboys over the Colts. We mentioned my dramatic Buccaneer 13-point comeback. Only the second time ever that Tom Brady has been down by two touchdowns in the fourth quarter and won the game. Monday night against the Saints. How about that? Down 13 points. All right, uh, John, any thoughts off the NFL ratings on the weekend just real quick? Uh, the uh, the Fox window did very well. It had uh, Titans and, and uh, Eagles in most markets. And 60% of markets, it was either Titans, Eagles, or uh, 49ers, uh, Dolphins. And that was a very strong number. I think a higher rating and more viewers than Sunday night football. But the Sunday night game did remarkably well, given how garbage it was. A testament to the Cowboys drawing power <laughs> that uh, it got the kind of numbers that it did with uh, really just a terrible, terrible. Did you watch? I mean, I'm watching and it's a close game. And literally within about 15 minutes of actual time, 21 to 19 became like 47 to 19. Yeah. And eventually 54 to I mean, it was crazy. Yeah how that became a runaway, but at least it was a close game for three quarters on Sunday night football on yeah. NBC. I think I was watching uh, one of those red letter media reviews. Uh, <laughs> this uh, Something maybe, maybe it was like one of the ones they did about, uh, I don't know. Uh, what was that movie where the cartoons were with live action? What was that one? Uh, I don't know. Walter Rabbit, Roger Rabbit. Roger Rabbit. There, 
Who framed Roger Rabbit, if I'm not exactly. mistaken? Who framed Roger Rabbit? Now we're going in the way back of the 90s. Yeah. I've that. never seen the movie. How did we so get there them. from talking about NFL ratings? So this no, is what you were me, watching. You, yeah, yeah, you asked me what I was watching Sunday night. I, I, you know, look, I, I like what Mike Tirico has done on Sunday night football. I think, you know, I, I started this season. I said that Mike Tirico wasn't at the same level as Al Michaels. And historically, that's true. Al, at his peak, in my view, is the best who ever did football play-by-play. It's, you know, it's like saying LeBron isn't as good as Michael, which, you know, I didn't even know if I believe that, but that's what you're supposed to say, that LeBron's not as good as Michael. And hey, that's that's not an insult, right? Um, as far as Tariko versus Michaels goes, though, Al's taking a real step back. Al's doing... Al right now on Thursday Night Football is bringing the exact amount of enthusiasm that he had when he was doing the NBA. (laughs) Now, there's a very few people who remember that Al Michaels did the NBA. Right. And he was not very good on it at all. And he did not. And, you know, I'm not trying to be insulting when I say that. I truly believe Al is the greatest football play-by-play voice. And, you know, when he went and when he did the NBA, they were coming off of the Brad Nestler experiment, which was just not smart at all. That was Mark Shapiro, you know, being too smart, you know, too smart for his own good. And instead of going with Mike Green right off the bat, uh, you know, they, they went with someone who was not an NBA announcer at all. And and Nestler did not did not fit. And I'm sure he would tell you the same thing. It didn't make any sense. So Michaels was kind of like, OK, now they're taking the NBA seriously. But Al would only do games in California, right? And the Lakers were really good that first year, but the next year was when the Lakers missed the playoffs. So the fact that he was only doing games in California was a problem because the Lakers weren't even good. Right. The final, the final two or three weeks of the regular season, he was doing Laker games when the Lakers were mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. <laughs> All right. And they had the Lakers. That's called when you get to write your own ticket, exactly. you get to do Laker games even when they're eliminated. That's how that exactly. works. But he was doing Laker games. They were eliminated from the playoffs. And well, and, they- look, and look, I mean, it's the same thing as Joe Buck and Troy right. Aikman right now, where Al is limited by what's the hand dealt to you right. on Thursday night, and they're not moving off those games. They can't be yeah. switched. He comes out of Sunday night football where they're hopscotching all around, moving games in and out of Sunday night to get a better matchup. And so yeah. I agree with you. He's less than enthused. No, uh, we can, now you had a, you had a good matchup with Buffalo and New England last week. Right. This week it's terrible with the Raiders and the Rams, yeah. who've completely checked out. The Super yeah. Bowl champion that may end up like three and fourteen. If they go ahead and lose out in a seventeen game schedule, the Super Bowl champs are going to be three and fourteen. You talk about yeah. a an Acapulco cliff swan dive like Wide World of Sports in terms of yeah. one season to the next. Yeah, but that's that's the and you, my point is he can't they don't flex out of it. He can't right. control that. You're stuck right. with that Thursday night slate. Yeah. And, you know, same thing with Monday night, although they have at least Bill's Bengals coming up. Uh, Buck and Aikman are, you know, Buck and Aikman are living their best life. You know, one of the things about what happened with Bob Rathbun kind of made me think about the announcers and their scheduling and, and all mm-hmm. the games they're having to do and the physical toll that that takes. We all know that there's nobody in this business, nobody who is doing anything at the same level as a minor or, you know, a, uh, you know, well, miner is the only thing that comes to mind. <laughs> like in a coal mine, you mean. Exactly. You don't mean a UTEP miner. Uh, for no, a nickname, no. uh, but, you know, it's you know not, as we say in Florida, it's not putting roofs on houses in 120 degree heat and exactly. humidity in the summertime. No, it's not exactly. the same thing. 
It's not. But, you know, uh, you know, I, I look at uh, I've, I've mentioned Herb Street before, you know, Herb Street, a man in his 50s with blood clots flying all over the country, multiple flights. It seems it seems dangerous. You know, I mean, it's not for me to say it's none of my business. All I know is that David Bloom went to Iraq and he wasn't killed by an IED. He was killed by blood clots. He was killed by the flight to Iraq. Right. And he was a big reporter for NBC. Mm -hmm. And I think about, you know, the completely unnecessary flying of Tom Rinaldi from Qatar to Dallas, to Michigan, back to Qatar. It's absurd. I, I, I'm not going to praise Tom Rinaldi or Fox for that. That's a complete waste of resources, right? Jenny Taft is not flying from Qatar to, you know, to do the Michigan game. If you're doing the World Cup, you're doing the World Cup. You've, you know, Fox has hired 83,000 ESPN employees. They have a, a, a bench that can do the other games, right? Allison Williams did the Pac-12 championship game. Uh, you know, they could easily on the NFL have just had Aaron Andrews by herself. Aaron Andrews and Christina Pink used to split the Thursday night football games right. all the time. She could easily have done it. I, 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 I'm not at all impressed by Rinaldi doing I that. I can just tell you from what yeah. I know, it's probably negotiated in his deal. Yeah. It's probably something that he wanted to be part of the biggest events oh, yeah, and they wanted him and they negotiated it and it's in his deal. That look, this is what you're going to do. All these folks are grown adults who can make their own decisions. Right. And so my my opinion doesn't matter. But like to me, it's like a total waste of resources and just an absurd amount of, you know, an absurd thing to do to, to, to one's own body. It just seems like completely unnecessary. And like Tariko, even when he did uh, the Olympics and the Super Bowl, I mean, that was a lot. But, you know, at least it was OK, China, then the U.S. And you'll just stay in the U.S., right? Just stay in the U.S. and but relax. But they had him go to New York. Then they had yeah, him go to New York. He was, he was in L.A., then he went to China and then he came back to New York. Do I have that chronology somewhat correct? I think I do. He went from China to Connecticut. Remember, they don't okay. have they, all the tax right. breaks in Connecticut. All the studios are there. So uh, he uh, went from China to Connecticut and then Connecticut to L.A. and then back to Connecticut. But wow, that's a lot. That is but a it's lot. not it's not Qatar to Dallas to Michigan to Qatar. Are and you I, sure I, on that one? Yeah, because you we might have to get our into... geography back out. We might have to get the abacus. We might have to get the slide rule on the mileage. I don't know. But, and you know, really all I'm thinking to myself is there's no need. One of the, I brought it up in the context of Joe and Troy because Joe and Troy made a very interesting decision. They have sacrificed their careers for what I'm assuming is health and happiness. They are no longer doing the big games. It's easy to forget that they're around. They have taken a severe, not severe, but a significant career hit doing Monday Night Football. That's what Monday Night Football is. Monday Night Football is a hit to your career because they don't get the best games, right? But they're making more money to do less work. There you go. And they've reached a point in their lives where, you know, look, I mean, what are we and doing? And correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. they're still, they're going to do a playoff game. Do they do yeah, a playoff gonna, game yeah. this yeah. year or yeah. does that not take effect Every until year. next year? Every year they do a playoff game. So they're going to get a playoff the game Bowl. and they eventually will get the Super yeah. Bowl the same but, way. Yeah. But, you know, basically. And I said this to yeah. you because I'm in this world. All right. I, I was in a radio booth 20 feet from where Joe Buck, 25 feet, probably, maybe. I don't know. Maybe a maybe a little chip shot on, on a green right. uh, from where their TV booth is. Uh, they were right there. They walked right by me. I see them. I smile. They don't really know me that well. I'm the radio guy for the Buccaneers. It's OK. Troy Aikman walking around with a Dallas Cowboys Super Bowl ring that's the size of a golf ball, speaking of golf balls. Um, uh, so in any event, uh, I'm in this world. I understand this. 
they in in Buck's case, he did the World Series every year for yeah. twenty plus years. He's done the Super Bowl at least eight or nine times, ten times, maybe more. So, and you've been in that routine at Fox. Aikman has primarily done one game. Some weeks with the Thursday night, he was doing two, but a lot of the time they were only doing one. Sometimes doing two. He's now still doing one, still doing the playoffs. So. I understand where you want to cut back, make a bunch of money, yeah. cut back, and not do as much. I think one one of the things that they sacrificed and one of the things that Troy sacrificed is they were doing so many Cowboy games where he didn't have to travel because he lives in right. Dallas. They yeah. would literally do four or five Cowboy home games. Mm. It would seem like every year, including the Thanksgiving game. Yeah. And that's not the case. I think what if they had the Cowboys one time, I think on Monday night. Yeah. Football? Well, yeah, the NFL only gives ESPN the one Cowboys game a year. And there you go. Uh, look, you know, and, and I do want to say in terms of Rinaldi, I don't want to be too hard. In ter- but I, I guess it was a showy aspect. It was kind of a look at me to that. I'm telling I you, I know enough about this and you do too. That was negotiated in the deal. Right. Fox oh, yeah. giving him the money and saying, we want you on the world cup and the NFL and the college football. And if right. they all converge, which they're going, going to you're going to be at all of these and he agreed and they agreed and he wanted to do it and they wanted to do yeah. it or else he wouldn't have been doing it so well, yeah yeah of course there's a broad agreement but i guess just for me it is it's one of those deals it's kind of like you know let me think what am i trying to what am i i don't it's even think it's a broad like, agreement i bet it was written into the agreement you're right. working the 2022 world cup right. as well as the 2022 nfl season as well as the 2022 college right. football uh, you know, I, big Michigan, uh, Ohio State game, right. and it's in his deal. Those those yeah. specifics. So well, I guess I guess what I'm trying to get at is it just comes off a little showy to me to be doing all of those events. And I would say I've praised Ernie Johnson for going from Wimbledon to the NFL draft back to Wimbledon again. And you know, we the NBA at, draft, the NBA yeah, draft, yes, the NBA draft, and we've marveled at uh, Sean Grandy's schedule. But mm-hmm. it was just something a little bit extra about all three. I got you. All three. It's just kind of for me. It was excessive. One of those Can I yeah, use that? Excessive. excessive. Yeah. I'll help you with that word. Exactly. All right. Maybe we're being excessive about all of this. Shall I mean, we? Shall we move on and lighten up? Yeah. Let's move on. Sure. Let's lighten up. Here we go. Love it or leave it. Subject one: uh, Announcers in the World Cup. Can I interject? I just I love Ian Dark. You talk about people that are born to call things. Mike Emmerich to call hockey, Vin Scully to call baseball in this country. Ian Ian Dark to call soccer or football is just amazing. I realize Fox has been grooming John Strong, their announcer, for years to be part of this World Cup uh, and and call the matches. And I believe did he do the Women's World Cup? I think he also did this past time as well. He's doing it with a former American. A player and analyst in Stu Holden. I enjoy just love it or leave it. I I love Ian Dark and I loved Ian Dark and and Landon Donovan more than I love John Strong and Stu Holden calling the World Cup matches. And I'm I'm hoping I catch Ian Dark doing a quarterfinal, if not a semifinal match. There's my opinion on love it or leave it. Any opinion from you on the World Cup announcers? Anybody that stood out that you love or like or any of it, or even a studio analyst or anything. Well, you know, I got to say there there was somebody on Fox I didn't recognize. Uh, I couldn't figure out who is this guy. I've been watching the World Cup and who is this guy? Never seen him before. Never heard of him. And they finally brought up the lower third and it said he's Clint Dempsey. 
Yes. Uh, so I've heard of Clint Dempsey. I've seen that name a million times. Prominent American just, player. Yes, yes. And he, and by the way, in terms of criticism, I'll just compliment him here. And I think you might have been going there too. He's willing to give his opinion, even on the U.S. team and what they're doing wrong. And he's a former U.S. national star. So he's got a lot of credibility. There's my thought on your love it or leave it. Continue. Well, I was just going to say that's kind of an indication of my soccer viewership because I, I've seen the name Clint Dempsey a million times, but I had never actually apparently seen his face or heard his voice before this World Cup. I was just not familiar uh, in that way. I mean, I I know Landon Onovan looks like and sounds like, you know, Rapino, mm-hmm. Alex Morgan. And that's like the whole list for me. So uh, I'm I'm kind of being introduced a little bit to the soccer culture in that way. But you heard Ian Dark call a game, right? Or at least the highlights of Ian Dark calling a game. It's amazing how right. engaging he is, how knowledgeable. It's not forced. It just flows from him, rises at the right moments on scoring right. chances, doesn't oversell it. I'm sounding like his agent here on the Sports Media Watch podcast. Everybody he loves Ian Dark. He Everybody is he is phenomenal, and and I I've will heard say. him. I've heard him in interviews say that I could not have imagined really doing anything other than calling football or soccer, and it seems yeah. like it. He was just born to do this. But go ahead, finish up. Well, I will say, um, you know, the uh, the reality of the matter is, I have I, I'm aware of the Ian uh, the Ian Dark love, and I slipped up the Ian Eagle influence there. And, <laughs> bottom iron but you know again I, I just don't watch a ton of soccer this is really the first world cup where i've watched matches like at all i'll just be completely honest mm-hmm. uh that whole go go usa call i actually i'm not sure i've heard it i i know the call but i mean i wasn't watching in 2010 i wasn't watching in 2014 i wasn't watching i've i've never watched any of them the women well, the men, let me give you let me give you a couple not, of reference let me give you a couple of reference points i mean obviously fox has used uh john paul della camera jp della camera when espn had this you know speaking of brad nessler doing the nba they were all over the board they had dave o'brien a baseball yep, announcer that. calling the world cup which was strange in and of itself and then they used different british announcers johnson well then, and fox was using gus johnson and grooming him to do the world cup and gus actually begged off the assignments yeah. because his mother was ill. Um, and that's where John Strong kind of slid in as a longtime MLS soccer background and a lot of international matches on Fox and they, they've groomed him. And, uh, and that's not, that's not to say that he's not solid. He's mm-hmm. just not Ian dark for calling the, right. uh, the biggest matches on that. I go back because I'm older than you. I go back when the world cup wasn't being televised in its entirety, yeah. uh, and ABC's Wide World of Sports would show the World Cup final with Jim McKay calling it. Mm-hmm. You can go back on YouTube yeah. and watch Jim McKay. I still remember this. The Italian team won the 82 World Cup with Jim McKay on Wide World of Sports calling football or soccer wow. in that instance. You can go back in the nostalgia and relive uh, that through the history to uh, to watch all these different sports. Shall we move on? Let's move. Let's move on. Love it or leave it. I mentioned the latest rendition. I'm going to get in trouble with my buddy Price Atkinson. He hosts the Yards and Stripes podcast because I don't know what number Army Navy game this is. Maybe you got it in a press release. Maybe, you know, they are playing the 2022 Army Navy game. This one at Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia. Uh, both teams dipped below 500. Army can get to 500 with a win at six and six. Navy is four and seven. Love it or leave it. Will you be checking out the lone prominent college football game? No offense to the 
FCS playoff games, but the Army Navy game is the game for football for this weekend, at least in the college ranks. Love it or leave it, Army Navy. You gotta see it a little uh, bit. This is a game that's a testament to love of country and love of football because it really shouldn't get any viewership at all based on the actual quality of the teams. But people want to support Army and Navy, and so they tune in, and the numbers have been great ever since it moved to the week after the conference championship games. This year will not do well because of the World Cup, in my view. I suspect there'll be a pretty significant viewership hit because it, you know, you're talking one game, it's Army, Navy, and the World Cup is going to be, I think, England, France, like we talked about. That's right. going to be really tough. But uh, for the most part, this game, it does remarkably well. Again, it's, uh, you know, maybe it'd be better if we manifested our love of country and love of the military in more productive ways, like supporting our troops when they come home yep. uh, in a greater way than we do. But, you know, uh, watching the Army-Navy game is also... Well, it's not nearly as good as the other thing, but, you know, hey, uh, it, uh, people want to support the military. They want to support the troops. And this is one of the ways they do it. They had a game in the snow, in the heavy snow a few years ago that uh, that ended in close fashion with a missed field goal in the final seconds in the snow. I don't know if they'll get that picturesque of a setting for this matchup in Philadelphia for the 2022 version. I still love it. I hope they pull it back out. Uh, that John Kennedy uh, speech, the late president, and we just surpassed the 59th anniversary of his assassination. But John Kennedy gave an amazing speech about previously having been in military service and about what it means to serve your country. And a couple of times CBS has used that speech and maybe they're going to go to it again as like the open of the Army Navy game with right. former President Kennedy talking about service to country and what it means and the flag and yeah. symbolism and uh, it's it's really neat to kind of uh, get that game going and get everybody uh, fired up about it. What does this game traditionally do? You have past ratings, and I realize, again, the out-of-home and all the different qualifiers. Yeah. And they even played it in the pandemic year on campus at West Point yeah. uh, because they were having uh, issues in the COVID-19 year, and they played it in front of limited cadets and stuff in 2020. But has it drawn well? And what's your thought? I mean, is it going to have 5 million people watching? Is it going to have maybe more, 7 million more, something like that? I know the World Cup game will be done in the first half because that's a two Eastern time start, depending on penalty kicks, et cetera. It'll probably be done in the first half of the Army-Navy game. They'll have the second half kind of to themselves, network right. deal on CBS. What is your thought, just real quick, before we move on? Well, uh, excluding uh, two years ago when it aired on a full college football Saturday, remember the utter stupidity and nonsense that we all went through two years ago. So college football went deep into December, like yes. two or three weeks into December. Yes. So uh, Army Navy had actually a pretty strong 5 million viewers on a crowded college football weekend that year. Uh, other than that, all the years it's been after the conference championship game, basically from 2015 onward, it's been over 7 million each year. I would say this year, probably in the 6 million range with the uh, circumstance of the World Cup competition. And I do suspect that maybe there's a little bit of, you know, of, of juice being lost for this game, because if you take out two years ago, just look at the years it airs, you know, after the conference championship games, uh, since peaking at 8.4 million in 2017, it's been down each subsequent year. Although last year's number uh, was with the out-of-home undercount. So who knows where that actual figure was, but, you know, it's a nice solid draw. Uh, realistically, there's several, you know, many more viewers are watching college football at 3.30 p.m. on a normal Saturday. But for an individual game window, 7.6 million viewers is, is pretty good. 
All right, another one on the college subject, just real quick. Love it or leave it. They will give out the latest Heisman Trophy on Saturday night for 2022. It's as wide open as it's been in years. It's not a foregone conclusion Alabama player, for example, uh, into this year's. Bryce Young didn't even get invited as the Heisman uh, defending oh. Heisman winner. He didn't even get an invite to He's New York. He's got his endorsements. He's fine. He's got his NIL money. I would agree. Love it or leave it. The drama and the intrigue of who's going to get this between Caleb Williams of USC or CJ Stroud of um, Ohio State. I wish they would include a running back or another player, mm-hmm. but it's all quarterbacks. Uh, yeah. Love it or leave it. Are you into the drama at all on who might get the no. Heisman Saturday night? No. I've never cared about the Heisman once in my life. Um, You know, it was, it used to be this big, big event. I mean, it was one of ESPN's blockbuster events every year. You could feel the care that ESPN put into it. Uh, Nobody really cares about this thing anymore. I mean, (laughs) uh, you're talking about an event that had 6 million viewers in 2009 and fewer than 2 million last year. You know, 2009 is not ancient history. Uh, you know, and granted that was the peak, but even well, as in we- 20, I remember 2020, they didn't meet, they did it virtually mm-hmm. because the downtown athletic club with the pandemic craziness continued to say, okay, we can't gather, um, yeah. in December of 2020, by the way. Uh, and so they did it virtually when they gave the award to Devonte yeah. Smith of Alabama. So yes. some of the luster is definitely off of it, but you start, you yeah. certainly know you want a quick Heisman trophy story before sure. we're out of here. Sure. Archie Griffin still living. Uh, phenomenal, only two-time winner of the award. It's amazing. We're now almost 50 years on that nobody's won this thing twice, even though some guys have had a chance. Tim Tebow, obviously, um, this year. Bryce Young with a chance at it. Uh, Some others that have come back for another Heisman opportunity uh, here and there. Nobody's won it back-to-back. Archie Griffin told uh, told me this story. I've interviewed him numerous times, probably three or four times, about different aspects of the Heisman, that in that time frame – what they would do, uh, the Heisman ceremony was a midweek ceremony in New York, not televised at a banquet at the downtown athletic club. So what they did is they called Ohio State's sports information office and they told Archie, Archie, you've been uh, selected as a finalist. We need you to come to New York for the Heisman trophy. And uh, you can bring your, you know, you can bring your pam- parents and family. We'll, you know, pay for up to X number of family members. We need you to be here in New York for Wednesday morning, let's say at 10 a.m. We're going to put you up in the hotel on Tuesday to be here at 10 a.m. Well, the truth of the matter is he had won the award. There's no other finalist, but they weren't telling him that. So he flies there thinking that he's a finalist and he's quietly told you've won the award. You know, stay quiet here. There's no social media. There's no Internet. You've won the award, they're telling him on Wednesday, and we're about to honor you here at the banquet. The people at the banquet don't know what the downtown athletic club has voted. You're just going to come out and you're going to appear. So for so many years, this was a mystery on who had won. But in Archie's case, he knew, and they had a, they had an awkward thing. The next year, they called Ohio State again. And it's and they kind of said, okay, Archie, we need you to play along. We normally tell everybody you're a finalist. We know you know what this phone call is. We got to keep this thing quiet. You've won it again. They get him to New York. They did it again. So what I'm saying to you is in the late 70s, in the early 80s, when the likes of uh, George Rogers of South Carolina, Marcus Allen of USC, Herschel Walker were winning this award, um, whomever, I don't think George, I may, I may have misspoke uh, that George Rogers won it. I'm thinking of Johnny Rogers, the great player from Nebraska that won it. Um, 
they would s- still sneak them to New York and mm-hmm. and under the guise uh, again of secrecy and whatever and they would have the banquet or the ceremony and the announcement but they wouldn't have Heisman finalists sa- sitting there John like the made for TV event that it became mm-hmm. for the last 25 plus years on ESPN and suddenly I still remember watching Marcus Allen be named the winner where they said and now here's the winner of the Heisman Trophy, I want to say 1981, mm-hmm. uh, Marcus Allen of the University of Southern California. And he comes from a side room. They're like holding him in a holding room. He comes from a side room waving at everybody on the Heisman ceremony. And that's the first time anybody saw him because it's a surprise uh, that he had won. So just interesting that they do it much different now. Um, I still remember, how about this? Look this up on YouTube, folks, and for John. When Ty Detmer won the Heisman. We're going deep Ty in the Detmer weeds. Won it? Okay, Ty, De- Ty Detmer won it as the quarterback of BYU, and he was not present at the Heisman ceremony because he was in Hawaii for BYU playing the University of Hawaii in their regular mm-hmm. season finale. So they have Ty Detmer sitting on a satellite hookup. They have mm-hmm. the other finalists sitting at the downtown athletic club Ty Detmer's looking at a camera in Honolulu, Hawaii, like 9,000 miles away. And so he's got his coach, Lavelle Edwards, behind him. He's got his family behind him. He's got the the team behind him, and they're on a satellite delay. And I'm sure this is on YouTube when they make the announcement. I'm positive. It has to be. They say the winner of the 1990-whatever-it-was Heisman Trophy is Ty Detmer of Brigham Young University. And when they say that, Ty Detmer can hear it in his ear, okay? But the people around him in Hawaii are on delay by probably five seconds, maybe 10 seconds, satellites being what they were. So Ty Detmer starts doing this with nobody celebrating. He's going, oh, gosh. He's going, oh, oh. And he's celebrating. And nobody around him is clapping because they don't know. He's the only one that knows because he's got the earpiece in that they've told him. And then it's very awkward because they're saying, congratulations, Ty. We're going to give you this Heisman Trophy. They're showing it on camera. When you get back from Hawaii, we're going to give you this Heisman Trophy. That's what happened that year. So look it up on YouTube. There have been some crazy moments. I just digressed and thought I would. Yeah. Share that with the audience on the sportsmediawatch.com. What did you say? Two million now? They do well just to yeah. get a couple of million people to watch when yeah. it used to be a much uh a much bigger event. It'll uh, probably be a little bit higher uh, you know, this year, but uh, all in all, it's just not the event that it used to be. All right. Fair enough. I think we've come to the end uh here of another edition of the program. Anything else in closing? Any other shout-outs? Anything else that we did not cover? I think we've we've uh run the gamut from World Cup college football, the NFL, um, obviously college basketball going with the bigger time matchups. Now college football has waned into the bowl games at the night that we're taping the Jimmy V classic going on. I cannot believe it's almost 30 years since the passing of Jim Valvano. That was 1993 in the famous Jimmy V speech at the ESPY awards. Wow. But the Jimmy V classic continues. The, The V foundation has raised hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars for cancer. Great cause. The basketball tournament going on this week. Dick Vitale, cancer survivor, back on the call with Dan Schulman, also a cancer survivor on these games. So it's neat for the college basketball. Uh, that's all. Oh, you know what? One more. Just one more. Real quick. Sure. Hold on. Love it or leave it. Uh, Kentucky and Michigan played a college basketball regular season game in London on a Sunday afternoon, U.S. time, Sunday night, London time. Love it or leave it on the idea. And second, how did it do in the ratings? Did you love this or just leave it? What are we doing in the middle of an NFL Sunday? What is up? Well, 
Yeah, probably more importantly, it was in London during an England World Cup match. Uh, so the audience there wasn't too high, even in England. And uh, here it was uh, 813,000 viewers, pretty regular for Sunday afternoon college hoops during the NFL season. ABC's not trying to get big numbers for that. That's why, you know, I mean, it's just an opportunity to put those games in front of a few more eyeballs that they would ordinarily get on such a day. But realistically, uh, you know, I mean... Yeah, the numbers aren't that great. Connecticut, Notre Dame, and the women's had 585 later in the day. NFL Sundays, if you don't, if, if you're just putting those games there to fulfill contractual obligations and maybe uh, allow, you know, it's also a, a look, let's be real. Uh, a lot of the programming of women's sports in this country is networks giving them terrible dog, terrible time slots and then saying, hey, look at all the, look at all the women's sports we're airing. We put it on at, you know, one thirty in the morning. Aren't we so noble? <laughs> uh, well, and- typically right now uh, in this time frame, and I'll look again here in a second, they, they run a full slate on ESPN, ESPN two of Sunday afternoon, women's college basketball as counter programming to the NFL yeah. with the belief being, if you're a women's college basketball fan, you may not be that much of an NFL fan, or at least we hope you're not. And we're trying to build some kind of audience counter programming wise, on Sunday, because again, they on both ESPN and ESPN two, they'll run double headers during the NFL right. games. So, now look, I mean, I should I should point out, I'm not complaining. I love having games on ABC. It's been ridiculous how ABC's been underutilized. But you know, we also have to be realistic. ABC on an NFL Sunday, it's basically ESPN two on any other day of the week. It's not it's not such a great you know a great time slot. And you know, the expectations couldn't have been high. I didn't even know why they flew all those folks out there. Sure. I was shocked ESPN flew Billis and, and Ravitch out there to do those games uh, because, you know, everyone is uh, taking advantage of the great cost savings of remote broadcasting. But, um, you know, look, I mean, it didn't hurt anybody. And they did get 800. Look, 800 and uh, let's see, 800 and what was it now? 800 and 800. Right. Let me take a look at what ABC did last night. Let's see. In oh, prime time. Yeah, ABC actually did pretty well last night. The Good Doctor had 321,000 viewers. But the other <laughs> night, there was, uh, well, I'm sorry, 3.2 3. million. 3.2 million. I was going to say 320,000 <laughs> yeah. is not very good against Monday no, Night Football. It was 3.2 million. I, 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 didn't, I didn't read that correctly. But they did have under a million just the other day for a rerun of one of their sitcoms. Let wow. me see if I can find that. And just, well, and again, we should mention this. Most of primetime TV struggles to get two or three million people to yeah. watch an episode of something. This is the reason why primetime NFL and college football is just massive compared to yeah. what network TV now is. Yeah, you got to go back a couple of weeks. So this is the night before Thanksgiving, but home economics in a weird 1030 p.m. time slot. So this isn't really fair. It's a rerun of the sitcom Home Economics at a non-sitcom time slot, 10.30. But it had 771,000 viewers. That's the night before Thanksgiving. Again, that's, you know, a little bit asterisky, obviously. But, you know, uh, look, I mean, TV is different now. So even 813,000 viewers, you know, it's it's all right. All right. I think you're all right, too. I think I'm all right. I think we're good. Uh, that'll do it for another edition of the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. John Lewis, thank you. Have a great week. The rest of the week. Uh, by the way, I'm headed out to Santa Clara, California with the Buccaneers to see if they can continue kind of this magical recent run with Tom Brady of great comebacks. Maybe it's going to be another cardiac comeback in a game out there. Fox will show it to most of the country uh, as their game of the week, their America's game of the week. I'll be out there. We'll be back next week to regroup and talk about the World Cup. We'll know the final four in the World Cup. 
Uh, we got college football, the Heisman winner. We got college football bowl games coming and much more. John, thank you as always. Have a good rest of the week. Yeah. Uh, before I go, I just wanted to circle back to Bob Rathbun again. And, uh, you know, he, uh, when he came to my classroom, he actually sent by email uh, PDFs of his game prep of the stats he uses uh, all of these things that he uses throughout his uh, his work uh, to make it available to my students. So I just wanted to make a note of that because, I mean, I've had a lot of great guest speakers. Uh, Sean Grandy, I've mentioned before, actually was physically in my classroom space. Tom O'Jackian was too. I had a couple of other folks who, who were there physically and via Zoom. Uh, but, you know, uh, Bob really did go the extra mile. He sent all of his game prep uh, and, uh, you know, just a great guy. And sure. so we're all hoping that he will get back to health. And, uh, you know, we'll be seeing him with Dominique soon. Uh, you know, not not too soon. You know, you got to take a break when something like that happens. Of so course. Hopefully he can take a, a couple of maybe just a couple of weeks to recuperate. But I'm hopeful that we'll see him back on the air, uh, hopefully by the start of the new year and, uh, you know, going forward from there. Well said on that. Get better, Bob Rathbun. Good way to close it out here. Again, follow or subscribe on the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. For Dr. John Lewis, read him up on the site for the ratings, all the info, and the intel, SportsMediaWatch.com. I'm TJ Reeves. Thanks for being with us. Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big